Welcome back to another episode of Man vs. Marriage. Ah, shoot! I messed it up. In this episode of Man vs. Marriage, yeah, I'm keeping it. Uh, we're going to talk about the journey, where we are, and uh, give you some feedback on the changes we've made and see how it can help you. We'll be see you right on the other side. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? It's really about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Marriage. The podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Man vs. Marriage. <laughs> that's where that belongs. Mm-hmm. I am your host, Quincy Moran in the brand new Moran Family Studio, Texas, USA, with my lovely wife, Jeannie. Honey, go ahead. Hi, baby. So here we are, and we are going to get started and talk about the journey, but this this episode is going to be about more than just the journey. We're going to talk about some, what we call in the business world, plus deltas, the pluses and the minuses. What would you have done better? What would you have done different? And use some of these, I mean, with us having, you know, thousands of listeners all over the world, um, there's a good chance that some of them may be making major changes in their life. So maybe they can use some of our journey to help. And uh, we've got a lot going on. Even after the move, we have a lot going on. So I don't think that will ever change. It's 10 moving parts at all times. Yeah, it's kind of what... It's kind of what we signed up for. I'm sorry. No, it's some it's something that happens when we start this podcast that you habitually have to cough and clear your throat. Deal with it. Fix it. <laughs> Fix on. your throat. All right. So here we go. Um as we get started, do not forget you got the email address to get to us, which it is Quincy at MVSMPodcast.com and Jeannie, which is J-E-A-N-N-E at MVSMPodcast.com. So please continue to reach out to us. We love to know what's going on in your journey, how we can help you. And if you have a show idea that you would like us to cover and then uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, would you consider going over and giving us a five star so we can help uh, broaden the platform for folks to be able to see us. I think we're right inside the top 100 podcasts when it comes to marriage. Um, And that's with no advertising. That is simply because y'all find value in it. You continue to listen, you continue to share, and uh, we want you to be able to connect with us. So um, early June 2022, the Moran family um, set out in a convoy headed east from California and moved uh, the the family of 10, um, two vehicles, and four dogs, all our belongings, and we moved it to Texas. Uh, we were here for about two weeks. I had vacation from work to help get the, the family moved and settled, and then I went back to California to finish up about a week's worth of work and some commitments I had. Then I drove back 
to Cal to from California to Texas, and a very interesting show coming up here in the next couple of shows about an experience I had in Uber <laughs> with a Jack. Um, we had a great conversation. We had about three hours to talk. Uh, so I'm going to tell you that story coming up as you well. You know, everybody's going, you took an Uber for three hours? Yeah, it's a trippy story. I'll, I'll, I'll get into it. And, and It was how... not intentionally planned that way. It just happened that way. No, it was part of a plan. And thank God I took the Uber. Yeah. But I'll save that for another show. So with that being said, you know, we had three, uh, three of the girls graduate. Hunter and Kirsten um, graduated, you know, like last year, a couple years ago. But they were still going to the autism school. The Autism Academy there in the Yellow Valley. Then uh, we had three of the girls. Two graduated from high school. Ashlyn is just about done. So they're moving on to the next phase of their life. They've decided to stay with us and uh, pursue college and uh, careers in that fashion. And then we have three that are going to be going to school um, here in Texas, finishing out high school. So there's just so many moving parts. And what do you think, honey, looking back, um, what, how, do you, how do you look at where we were and all the unknowns and, you know, this just being a, a couple of months in, so to speak, what did you think and what is reality of what this move to Texas was going to be? Well, I don't have all of that sorted yet because there are still some... Um, unknown variables with people getting jobs and schedule changes and your position right now. The The thought was once we got here, your travel would change. But for now, because you just got here and your um, area coverage for work is a little bit different. <clears throat> Granted, you're not as far away, but there's going to be some more travel involved for now until you get your, your, uh, roots planted so to speak um I don't know I mean the school system out here I absolutely fell in love with immediately I have not seen our girls light up like that looking at a list of classes ever their um their high school out here that at least where they're attending I don't know that they're all that way but the one that, that our kids are going to um a lot of it is geared towards trade it's geared toward career path. It's not just get you graduated, get you ready for college and move you on. It They actually set them up where um, if, if you have a trade you're looking into, you know, medical field, I'll take for an example. One of our daughters is really, really big into medicine. Two of them are actually. <clears throat> One wants to be a nurse. And so she's going into their medical program, which we had those in California as well, but you couldn't just jump into the program you had to be referred in teachers had to sign all these papers you had to have proof that you were committed to the program your parents had to sign off on it you have to have your driver's license it's just a lot of crap that goes with it and out here we walked in and the counselor said well the only one of these that has to have a prerequisite is this one and you can't do that till next year anyway because it's three classes but you can do any of these classes that you want to in any combination for that program. So she completely revamped her plan and is now 
locking into all of her medical courses. And these are like medical terminology, um, anatomy, phys, things that she would have to take anyway when she gets out of there, but it will give her a step up when she goes into the nursing program to know the medical terms now. Um, she also found a program out here that will get her into nursing school or get her to be a nurse within 36 months. Now that her high school knows this, they're going to help her get on that plan. It just, the, the system we had previously the counselor there, and I don't know if it was just who we dealt with. I don't know if it's the system. I can't give you all those answers. I can only tell you what we experienced. Our counselor didn't do a damn thing when it came to our kids. Every time we tried to get something fixed, she didn't do her research on which kids she was dealing with. She didn't have answers on um, things that we needed to know. She's the reason that they did not get their diploma the day they were supposed to. I mean, there, there's a lot of things there that are just frustrating. So to come out here and not have so many, um, there's not so much red tape to get through. If a kid says, hey, I want to be an engineer, the counselor says, okay, so here's what we have. Here's what you need to do. By the way, we have summer programs. We have dual classes with the college. We have these after school programs. We have these camps that you, they have fishing and archery camp. I mean, our girls lit up, and it's like, oh, dear God, no, please don't add this to my schedule right now. I love you, Texas. But it was just, it opened their eyes to so many more things that they didn't know they could do. The medical thing I know they can do anywhere, but it was just the way it was presented, how quickly they were welcomed into the school system. No one looked at them awkward because they're coming from California. I mean, we lived in the same city for how many years and just coming from one side of town to the other with our last name they knew you coming you know and there there were things that come along with that because of autism and the stuff that we've had to do with the school system so maybe that's what it is maybe it's just a clean slate making things easier for everybody because no one here knows yeah and, and I would say you know just from my perspective they haven't gone to school yet, but just the interaction with the coach and the teaching group. I love the coach. Yeah, it that has been better than expected. And and look, it was the night we said goodbye um, before we left, like the very next morning we left, but the night we said goodbye to uh, my mom, my sister, my nephew, my niece, it was absolutely brutal. Because you know those tears are a source of pain. And the decisions that you have made as a father and as a mother, those decisions are the genesis of those tears because you're uprooting, you know, I'm uprooting you. You know what I'm saying? I'm uprooting you. I'm uprooting the kids. It's You've only ever known California and now, you know, you've you've had some of this because your parents moved away about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, within yourself, you go, God, I hope that I am making the right decision in looking at the opportunity that we are moving for. I hope that the cost is worth the benefit. And so far, you know, I I would say so far... Um, 
just from a school perspective. Now, they may get into school and maybe everybody in this entire school is just low-class humans. It's very unlikely. <laughs> um, but I hope, you know, their their school experience, if they're anything like the people, the majority of the people that we've met here already, then there's going to be really good people in school. Um, and there were good people in California. There's no doubt. That's the hardest. I, I think the difference for us right now is simply that we're getting out and doing more now, which we're probably doing. We've done more in the last month as a family getting out adventuring than we have in the last probably two and a half years. Yeah. And having the kids all agree and come to us at separate times and say, I really like going to a baseball game. I really like getting out and going to the park. I really enjoyed spending time with, you know, Uncle Josh and Aunt Melly. I really like that people out here want to invite you to things. I love that the coach involves everybody in everything. The coach has, um, like, team building nights. So once, once a week, two days before every meet, they have to have dinner together. And all they do is have dinner and watch a movie or hang out, play games, whatever. But it's the coach's way of making sure that they're a team. There's no clicks. They're not allowed. It's just a very different um, mentality out here than what I had, yeah, than I had seen in the previous two years being in California. And it's nothing against the people there that we love and that we miss. It's simply that the way things happened and the fear that was instilled in so many people just stifled us so much. And being out here everyone is kind of a in each to each his own mm-hmm. if you want to wear a mask wear a mask if you don't you don't if you want you know the doctors out here there's there's different rules but no one has said no to anything when we say hey we think we want to try this oh yeah sure you can go over here and this person knows about this and this person like it somebody the the, the guy that helped us get our house he's moving the same time that we're trying to get moved and we had just gotten here and he's trying to He's got to go to his trailer and all these things. And we're like, okay, well, we can help you. And he turns around and tell you what, I'm going to drop my trailer over here. When you're done, go pick up my trailer. You can go get what you need. And then who does that? It's just, it's random. There are people who do that. Don't get me wrong. I know there's people out there that do that. We do have friends out in California that would gladly help us with things. But this is somebody that we don't, hardly we don't know. know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've met and spoken to him several times, but we're not like... He hasn't been to my house for dinner and actually hung out with my family and know who we are, but he's just offering us things and helping us with things. Our neighbor came over. (laughs) Our neighbor shares a name with Quincy's grandfather, which as soon as I heard his first name was Wayman, I was like, okay, we did the right thing. Yeah, That was was (laughs) cool. That was too, too perfect to match the moment. But he's 92 years old and he walks over and introduces himself to me and to Hunter. And I mean, if you meet Hunter, you know. Right off the bat, there's something different about him. And this little guy just ran along with the whole conversation and kept going back and forth between me and him and answering him. I know he can't hear very well, so I knew he was struggling with it. But he didn't bat an eye at what was different. He didn't bat an eye at the fact that we have this huge van and all these people just kept coming out of it. It was like no big deal. But he's come over a couple of times and helped us out or come over and told us, oh, hey, I don't know if you know about this, but these are trash days and these are some of the rules. And if you need any help, let us know. It's just very, very different. Our old neighborhood, we we talked to a neighbor. And that was like, if 
we ran into him coming through the front door. It was rare. If he if Wayman's outside and he's getting in his car and he spots any movement in our yard, he will stop his car to get out and wave and say hi and then he'll leave. His wife's the same way. It's just a very different dynamic. You walk down the street, you wave at people. They smile and they wave back. If you walk past somebody, you say hello and they say hello back. It's just different. Yeah. And that's that's something that I was used to growing up in the South in Alabama is that you know, a look, a smile, a wave, a how you doing, even if you don't stop, just how you doing. It's just a courteous, I care enough. And there and there was a lot of that in California walking down the street. People are just, it's just a different pace of life. And I hope that that's something that we as a family can embrace in this new adventure called Texas is figuring out how to slow down out of that fast pace and still be able to get work done, mm-hmm. get books published, get podcasts done, but also authentically just spend good time, good family time, and get back to fishing, get into hunting, you know, take the family to the gun range, do our safety training, and the things, you know, the adventures that we're having, whether it's, you know, going to football or hockey or baseball, and, you know, the people the people at, at baseball, very, very pleasant oh my gosh the way that they respond to kirsten and hunter out here is just it melts me when we went to walmart and we've been to a couple of different places in in different walmarts out here and and one you know the lady saw us we were had hunter with us and he was helping quincy and i and she hands him the the scanner gun and says i want you to do something for me can you scan that little square right there for me she says you're going to pull the trigger she explained it to him and he did it and he was so excited to help her, and she praised him for it and helping her and doing such a good job. It's just different. When Jamie and I, my sister came out and stayed with us for a couple of weeks to help me kind of keep my head on straight and figure out how to get the house organized. And, um, and she's, she works with special needs kids, so she's a huge help with Hunter and Kirsten. Yeah. So she went with me and Hunter to the store, and Hunter has new rules that we're trying to work on getting them out in public because they haven't been in public in a while. And um, so we went through the scan and go, and so we were letting him scan things for us and showing him how it works and how the light changes and whatnot. Everyone there, the the people that man the end of it, make sure there's no problem. They were standing there clapping for him and mm. telling him he was doing a great job. They just made him feel like he was a million bucks because he was doing something that everybody else could do. I'm sure there are people like that where we were. We just never ran across them. And, I, would, and, I uh, wouldn't say never. I wouldn't. I wouldn't I don't that's think a we disservice were, I, to California no, because I'm there not. are great I, people there. I wouldn't say never. but It's not that, as common. I'll put it that way. It Especially pandemic forward Mm -hmm. things but i think that probably changed texas even though texas was closed for a very short amount of time um i think that changed everybody a little bit and it's about making that concerted effort to be a human being again and and to extend that warm smile or wave to somebody and knowing when you don't get it back it's it's less about you know, you, and it's more about them and where they might be and do they even see you. But bringing back respect for your fellow human being 
and bringing back the family culture, which has been under siege, and family values, and honoring fathers, and honoring mothers, and loving and teaching, and you know, growing your children. I, those are things that we endeavor to do, and we've done our best, you know, to do that in whatever capacity we have. But wherever you are, take that and go out and deliver it and understand that, you know, there was a particular guy in our neighborhood that I waved to every time I passed him. And I think, it, I don't know, it was probably 0 for 70 <laughs> that he ever waved at me. He just stood there looking at me. And at first it's like, wow, dude, really? No, no effort? But that didn't stop me from just continuing Something that Jeff and Candace said, you know, that really left an impression um, in my spirit, which is just do the next right thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're endeavoring to do here. See, and, and that was one of the things that I noticed that that let me know before we made the decision to move, it was time to go. Because Anissa used to wave at anybody she saw when we were driving down the road. If they were standing on a corner, if they were selling something, they were walking their dog, she waved at everybody. She smiled at everybody. We went in the store and she walked past somebody. She would say hi. She would smile. That was, it, she was very outgoing that way. And when all the shutdown and everything happened and people stopped waving back and you couldn't see people's smiles and people were kind of forcing the whole distance thing, which I, I get why people were doing it at the time. But now we're two years. That was... A technical difficulty, but let's get back into it. <laughs> new we, studio, new bugs. Actually, Pro Tools, same bugs. Mm. Uh, weird. And anyway, with that being said, we're wherever we left off, because we had a hunter Just situation. Just the difference in Mo, you know, seeing yes. her shut down and then coming out here and people actually initiating with her now. Correct. Saying hello and smiling at her. She, it, I'm watching her open back up and be who we've known her to be rather than being so recluse, you know? Yeah. And, you know, um, a guy that I work with um, told me, and I, I think we're just getting into it, but he told me that, you know, he had moved with his family. Um, he was a Southern California guy. They moved to North Idaho, like Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and then moved within like a year to Arizona. And it was basically him, his wife, and his kids. It was mm -hmm. just them. Mm -hmm. And he said, look, dude, you're going to find that this has a way of bringing you and your family closer together. And we've had instances where we look back during my health crisis and the, the flood in our house and that all and forcing the 10 of us into two small hotel rooms. Those were moments, like moments in your life where you can utilize, like Bill and Rita taught us, these moments can disempower you and you can take steps back and decline or they can empower you and you can move forward and build. And very, very fortunate to say that those, those moments, like this moment, and it seems to continue, that we are, these moments have brought us closer together and seem to empower us. So I look forward to seeing what, um, we do as a family and I've been accepted very well, you know, by the folks I work with, uh, both here doing work in Oklahoma, 
As long as um, you don't say rock and roll in Oklahoma, you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was so hilarious. Um, so let's just do this for the last few minutes. Um, for you, just to just to get it out there, how are you adjusting to this major change? Um, so far I'm okay. I think the first couple of weeks I was in, um, kind of work mode. I just needed to get the house unloaded. I needed to get things situated. I needed to get us functional. Um, I needed to make sure that we didn't feel like the walls were closing in on us and we were, you know, being boxed in literally by the stuff coming in. Um, I needed to make sure that Hunter and Kirsten were safe and that we had those, those things handled. We're still adjusting to some of that. Um, I'm still on the overwhelmed side a little bit. No, moving forward, just looking at, um, being the only driver consistently because of your work schedule and having so many people needing to be in so many places, it, it kind of overwhelms me just because it means that my job is going to be a taxi driver for a while. Well, if you just to pause there, like in an effort to try and help you from being on the outside looking in, I know that you thrive with certainty and routine. Mm -hmm. And right now with so much going on that is so uncertain because you don't know, just do your best to take a step back and look at it for what it is so it doesn't overwhelm you because the, the, the feeling is understandable. But if you can take and put your hands around and say, look, I'm not overwhelmed. I'm just looking for certainty and to create a routine because there have been times in your life that just blow me away how you're able to handle some of the things you did. Like early on, I was at work, you were grocery shopping and you took every one of the kids (laughs) grocery shopping, but you had a system. I would hear from our mutual friends and family members that were, um, that would see you in the store. And that is not chaos that anybody would want to take on. <laughs> it was definitely unique. But you had your system because if you if you can have certainty and create a routine, you're good. So understand that it's fully, it's not you that's being overwhelmed. And I'm preaching to the choir here as well. It's not you that's overwhelmed. It's the feeling that you don't have certainty because you don't know what to count on. So if you can look at it for that and just understand that it's going to take time and you, the longer this goes on, the next interview when it's solidified, Ashlyn's training is done, Hannah's training is done, the pieces will start to fall. Anytime you get overwhelmed, say, no, I'll, I will have certainty because you see the pieces falling into place. And then there will be another stretch of uncertainty because you don't know what school is going to be. Now, you know that school is going to, they go to school forever in Texas, all day long. Well, ours do because their cross-country practice starts at 6.45 in the morning. Out here they do um, a lot of their practice, even football out here. Um, they're going to be practicing in the morning the first part of the year because of the heat. Yeah. And so, um, and then they play their games. The football plays in the evening, but our cross-country meets are all at like 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning which is really nice because then you're done with your meet by like 11, 30, 12 o'clock and you've still got a whole day left to do whatever. Um, but they don't get out until like 4.20, 4.25, something like that in the afternoon. So it is a little bit different. But on the same token, if we didn't have practice or when she doesn't have practice, 
they don't go to school till 8.55. Oh, wow. See, I didn't so see that part. It's 8.55. No, it's 9.05 is when class actually starts. They have to be in the doors. Doors are locked at 9.05. Um, so it's nice to know when they don't have practice. That's a couple extra hours in the morning. And there's a couple of them like to sit and read. Some of them like to, you know, have their own downtime. And if they don't, that's two hours of extra sleep, which I will happily take advantage of when the time is allowed. But, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's a slower pace, which I'm enjoying. I, I like the fact that things are slowed down here. I mean, all the, I love the freeways. I thought, I never thought in my life I would say I love the freeways because obviously we live in LA County and freeways suck. But out here, there's so many, at first I thought it was nuts because there's so many curves and loops and turn. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can't keep up with this. My, my sister and I jokingly call it the spaghetti bowl because that's what it looks like. But the traffic time to get anywhere from where we're at, I think the most we've taken was like 40 minutes and that was 4th of July. So of course there's all kinds of traffic, but outside of that going to and from the airport as many times as we have and the, the different places we have to be from home, even taking the girls to work. I'm proud of myself. Thank you very much. I have mastered three different ways to get Ashland to and from work, and I only need GPS for one. That's good. So that's good news. I'm getting familiar considering I have no sense of direction. That's awesome news. But um, it, I just like that there's so many more options and places to go. And, th- and we haven't even hardly scratched the surface on where we're at. So there's a lot yeah. more adventure to be had. Um, I think what helps me right now is knowing the kids are going into driving school. So there is an ends to a mean or a means to an end there where we will have other drivers eventually. Yeah. I'm not even going to consider the car thing cause I'll let you hassle that cause that's an, a stress I don't need. But, um, you know, Hunter and Kirsten is still something I'm trying to figure out. Because right now he sleeps all day and he's up all night. That's just what he does. And I'm not even going to lie and say, well, I should be keeping him up and I should be. I am enjoying him sleeping in the morning because I can get stuff done. Yeah. And she'll stay up here completely content watching her TV and playing with her books and stuff. As long as no one's bugging her, she's fine. She comes down when she's hungry. It's when he wakes up that she starts setting off. So they kind of trigger each other. Yeah. But, um, you know, he, they're still adjusting to new places and new things. And we, that was the first thing we did was got their rooms completely settled so that the two of them knew that this was their space and Mm -hmm. that that was their, their comfort zone. They could do what they wanted in there minus crayons. Um, you know, so like Hunter has a full on sports bedroom with blues clues, of course. Um, but that's that's what he needed was to see his stuff. I mean, when he found the boxes with his name on him, God love him. I was not happy. He ripped open every single box and literally turned them upside down and dumped them in his floor. Thank God for bubble wrap. Cause I probably would have lost my mind. I think you did lose your mind anyway. A little, <clears throat> which is understandable because he has you some had, collectibles. And, well, yeah, but you had, put his room together and then he went and just made a disaster out of it well it's together now but it it makes a huge difference for him and for her to know hey go to your room go to your space this is your tv this is your bed these are your things and seeing his stuff from his previous room it makes it more legit for him 
Um, he is struggling with adjusting from Dodgers to um, Rangers, but we're we're getting there. <laughs> you know, we're we're making the shift. He he is wholeheartedly a Kings fan, which I love him dearly for. I I will not change that for anything. But I did tell him we're going to go see the Dallas Stars, and he was just like, eh. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. He, he's set in his ways, which is good. I mean, it's they're his sports teams. I mean, it, I hope I hope you know once the the walls start closing in a little bit and you're starting to feel overwhelmed about the situation, you can just take a step back and understand, like put a name on it and just say, Hey, I know this is going to happen for me. You know, my I'm, it's taking me longer to adjust and settle because there is so much unknown. And I, what I do is I will, I will put an undue amount of pressure on myself to know everything immediately. I will, I never put that pressure on anybody else. I don't know why I hold myself to that. See, standard. and that's me. I'm more concerned, like getting the house settled. I had to have the house so that everything had a place and it wasn't cluttered. Because when you left to go take care of California, I needed the house to be settled when you got here because the clutter and the the chaos and the the too many boxes in the wall, you don't process well in that. And we already have so many things outside of home that are going on with your job and moving from place to place and trying to, you know, learn a new map of locations and things of that nature. That's, that was my first responsibility or my, my first priority was to settle the home so that when you come home, this is home. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you know, even though you have an office, your office is a designated area. Now it's not shared in a living room or in a kitchen or in our bedroom. It is its own space now. Yeah. You know, being able to set those things up was priority. Getting Hunter and Kirsten set up was priority. Everybody else, I just kind of let them have their way and figure it out because that's their space. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure our room and the things that you needed to come home and relax were done. I have not settled myself. My closet was the first thing that I settled. And I think that was probably the first moment that I was like, oh, okay, so this is my room. This is my space. Okay. But like my office area is still not settled. My writing time is still not there yet. I haven't even, I'm trying to get into that mode, but I can't seem to get my, I can't get my head wrapped around how I'm going to do that with all the other things. And I don't want to just keep telling the kids, Hey, can you watch them? Because I don't think that's fair to them either. Well, I think as I think as this goes, that life is kind of setting it up for you. You're a night owl anyway. I'm trying not to be though, because I know. I they know. with her running, I mean, some of her meets we have to be there at four o'clock in the morning. I know to but, leave, and I don't want to be running on an hour or two of sleep if I have to be the driver. If you're not in town, I have to be the driver. Well, those those meets look. We'll we'll get all that we'll get all that sketched out, but you know. Two hours of dedicated productivity for you writing will go a whole lot farther than four or five hours of you chasing the chickens and yeah. trying to trying to write. So well, right now I'm trying to maintain two hours so I can get to and from the gym, and I still haven't even locked that down yet. Yeah, <laughs> that and you know those. So those are things that, like you, I'm I'm struggling to wrap my head around mm-hmm. because it seems like in Texas time goes so much faster. And I don't, I know it doesn't, but just getting the body clock to central time 
as opposed to Pacific time. I can't tell you how many people are probably pissed at me because it's, you know, eight thirty nine o'clock here and I'm texting going, oh, God, they're two hours behind me. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, you know, I have not, I'm settling in. I'm starting to, like, get used to the the city and the town. But I've really got to challenge myself to get, you know, disciplined again for my eating habits. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, really, just to be candid, it's Monster and Diet Soda, which I've never. Oh, no, I'm back with. on the shit eating train. Oh, yeah, you are. Um, but I, I kind of gave myself an excuse with all the all the stress of moving to say, OK, well, I'm just going to enjoy this for now. I still, you know, eat my carnivore. Well, in all fairness, too, just because I found this to be one of the coolest parts of Texas, their whiskey selection out here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> I'm going to be a happy girl for a really long time. Well, it but it costs a lot more, which is weird. Yeah, I just don't have so, to have it as often. But at least I have a list now of things that we need to try over however long it takes to get down the list. Let's finish this with, with this simple deal. One thing you wouldn't change, one thing you would change uh, about the last six months in this endeavor moving to Texas? Um, I would have researched more about the moving truck situation for us. Um, you can't, all, you cannot own that failure. That's all me. I'm not owning it. Um, and I don't necessarily think that that's my main one thing, but that's just something that was really, really difficult for me to let go and let somebody else control our stuff. And then when it got here, it smelled like cigarette smoke. And then some things are missing, and thankfully it's not anything... Well, I can't say that. My Wonder Woman shoes are kind of important to me, but they're limited edition that Quincy bought specific for me at a time that Wonder Woman was really helping me through something. Um, And if you know us and our tattoos, you understand all that. But I would have had more control, I think, over our things and how that worked out. Um, The main thing... I think I would have changed. Um, I wish we would have spent more time coming out here and checking things out before we got here. Um, Not because I don't like it or I'm not happy with it, but because right now my bearings are only in this small little quadrant of the clock. Mm -hmm. And I would like to have known a little bit more about where we are and what's around us. And um, because, you know, the kids are asking me questions. They have things they want to know. I don't have answers. I haven't been there. I mean, I'm I'm taking random roads now just because I just want to see what's there. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I would not change... Really, there the, the biggest thing is just the fact that we made the decision and we went for it mm-hmm. because there's been a lot of times that we said, we're going to do this and we start making the steps, but we just don't quite get there or things fall apart on us. And this transition has been one of the easiest we have ever made. And I didn't think it would be, I've, I've been in California my entire life. Yeah. Everything I know about who I am and where I grew up, that's all California. All my family, my friends, everything. I mean, granted, my parents and my sister have moved, but my core, I mean, we have friends there I've been friends with since I was 18. 
You know, I met them right out of high school. I worked with them and you've been working with them. It's, it's those things were just kind of really weird to be able to walk away. And it's not that I don't miss them or that I don't, um, have love for them. It's simply, this was an adjustment that needed to be made and something just kind of clicked that said, this is time. This is is what needs to happen now. It, It blew me away when you were open to it, but it's, it reminds me of like the Alabama thing, which was a very large point of contention between mm-hmm. us early in our marriage. Um, but when we got here and we started moving around and originally it was in another area, but just the feel of it was like, huh. cause really Idaho was where I love Idaho and I wanted to move there. I wanted I to be, too. I wanted to be there just, you know, the in-laws, Mm-hmm. Like my big brother, because I don't have a big brother. I've had, I have people in my life that I emulate, you know, as a big brother mentor. But, you know, with Bob, he's like my big brother. Yeah. And it's like, I want to be there. And plus the weather is a little different and whatnot. But um, something just. Never settled. It never settled with getting there. Maybe someday in the future it does. I don't know. I, know, I just know I I love Idaho. Um. But when it was when it was Texas, and look, the, I look and say, I, I wish we would have been able to spend a little more time, you know, looking around as well. But had we stayed with that four-year plan, then we would have been able to. But the plan got accelerated by three years fast. And that's because of some of the things that happened in California for us looking and saying, we're just not okay with this. Well... There was that, and I think, and I'm kind of selfish in this, but once a decision is made and it settles and everything in me aligns with that decision, it's like, okay, we need to do this and we need to jump on it and we need to make it happen because I have the potential to sabotage myself if I don't. (laughs) And this was everybody. This was something that we were looking at for everybody. And, and it just ticked all the boxes for everybody. So it was like, we have to make this move. And I'm glad we did it when we did, because I don't know where the sale of our house would be two or three years down the road. I don't know where your job would be two or three down, years down the road. You know, had we stayed where we were, I don't know what the school system would have been like. You know, I, it's, it's very, very different there versus here as far as how their, their schools are run and things, but there was so many, so many unknown variables and yet none of them were enough to shake either one of us off the decision. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's pretty phenomenal for us because I'm usually pretty shakable. <laughs> well, it, so I'm happy. I'm happy that, um, we made the decision. It was a very difficult decision. You know, for me, I'm for 25 years, I had been there in California and, you know, for 20 going on 23 years worked for that one company. And I had began a new adventure. There was still the certainty of some very familiar people mm-hmm. that I had. Now it's a brand new land, same, same style job, same company, but a brand new landscape that it, if I said this in one of the presentations I was doing, I said, you know, we just don't choose to do things easy mm-hmm. and that's okay. Because when you, when you take something on that's big, 
when you accomplish it, you get big rewards. And that's what we believe here because we have every intention of getting a, a man versus marriage book out. You have novels that you're writing. Um, and this, this locates us here for us to further, like Josh and I want to do a controversial podcast to get ourselves out there and kind of return um, some of that, you know, some of that interaction and putting ourselves out there. And so this just more closely aligns with what we want to do and where we want to be because ultimately we want to be building our family and building for the future of what our family is. And so I would say one thing I wouldn't change is the fact of moving. Mm-hmm. That that to me, the step on this journey, uh, God willing, will just con- it will continue to be fruitful. It will continue to bear fruit and to show... Um, because my biggest concern was knowing that I was pulling my entire family out of all they've ever known and bringing them to a new place. And what, what does that look like? Anything bad that happens. And you have no, what does that look like? I know. That's the scary part. We're all, we're always saying, okay, well, what does that look like? Tell us what that looks like. We'll help you get there. We didn't have a picture of what it looked like. We just knew it, it was different. But that's all we really knew. Well, and that's why I say, you know, you you can look at it in a very dark way and say anything negative that happens here, well, this never would have happened if we wouldn't have left California. But who knows what happens in California? So really, I'm looking at it saying... Yeah, we were a small blip on the map in California. Well, we're we're here too in Texas. It's much bigger than California. Maybe not population, but land-wise. We just look at it and go, we're looking at the possibility of what this can become. And we've both acknowledged that for too long we've hidden behind certain things in our life, and we are breaking out of that. And I had family, I had, you know, random family members call me and say, I know what you're doing. It seems crazy. I know what you're doing is humongous. It's a huge change. But from a distance, we've watched you and Jeannie go through things that, you know, we didn't think other people would be able to get through. So we have no doubt that if anybody can make this work, you guys can make it work. And it was very, very encouraging to me. Even, it's hard to overwhelm me. It's very hard. But I started getting overwhelmed. And you can see it in my attitude, but that's because there is so much unknown. And financially, I I worked hard to plan, but I failed. I failed in getting these numbers right because I had never done it. And I try to go hardcore on a budget, but you just, one thing you can't plan for is the rate of inflation and the way things are, the prices and everything are just going up like crazy. Well, and that, that's, what's funny is when we first got here, you know, my, my dad was calling and talking to me right before we left. And he was worried because we were giving up an income and, you know, that's that's a lot to put aside. He's glad we were getting out of there, but he's really worried that we're going to be in trouble and we're going to struggle. And then <clears throat> when we got here, it's really, I can't say that it's cheaper or that it's more expensive. It just seems like it's different. You know, my grocery bill out here or going to a store to buy groceries and seeing how much is in my basket and I'm stressing getting to the end of the line thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be an easy $600. This is not what we planned on. I, I know I'm going to go over 
and getting up there and having the ladies scan everything and go, oh, 338 bucks. You're going, wait, what? All right, you're sure that was everything? We didn't miss anything. Like it took me a few minutes to grasp that that was cheaper. Now it doesn't stay that way because there are fluctuations and things out here like there are there. Gas prices, I am happy dancing over here on what it takes to fill up my van right now. It still sucks because it's it's still above where I would like to be, but I'm not paying $125 a tank right now, which is... I, yeah, I would say that. that. That's a huge stress off our back. And because it's all highway driving for the most part out here, for the most of the places that we need to go, my van is working on highway mileage, gas mileage, rather than stop and go like we were back there. So it the tank's stretching a little bit further for me. These are little things, and maybe not everybody pays attention to that kind of stuff, but when you're honing in for every penny, especially when you know that you don't have that backup income anymore, it makes a huge difference, and it kind of makes you smile a little bit when you're like, oh, that tank lasted me nine days. <laughs> yeah, and that, that, that I would say, you're not in full motion as far as people going to work, but the people going to work are going to pay you. But I look at the groceries and I'm saying, I don't see, I don't, there's, to me, it's a flat turnover because we're getting much more frugal about the things we're going to buy. The price of beef is more, but the price of everything is more. So I don't see that as a savings until the inflation settles down. And you're not looking at either. When we originally moved, we said we would give it three months to adjust to what the food budget was going to be because there, we do things differently. You need to find a ranch so we can get the cow. You know, we, we don't just, Costco likes us. They really, really like us because we walk in and tell the guys in the back, hey, I need four cases of meat. And that's kind of like score for them. Yeah, they don't for, have to cut it. For us, it. it's not all that great. Oh, my Lord. But um, it does, it lasts us a long period of time. So we, we kind of do things a little bit differently. When we got here, we didn't have our three freezers anymore. We didn't have our double refrigerators. We had this little side-by-side refrigerator that was here when we got here. And y'all, t- 10 people on a little bitty refrigerator, we were filling it every two days. Now we're, we've got one freezer and a fridge and a half. And we're still adjusting to what this is going to look like. It's going to take us about three months, I think, before we have an actual budget nailed down because we don't even know what our utilities look like yet we were prorated for the first month so yeah that was a joke i know i looked at that and i was like I don't know. tell anybody but you know it it's still it's going to be an adjustment for at least three or four months until we can kind of look at everything overall and say okay now we have somewhere to jump off of and kind of gauge what the next eight months are going to look like for the year yeah and that i think is probably the hardest adjustment on your side because that unknown variable bothers you a lot. <laughs> it's because I live my life in fear. Of not in, having enough. In fear of you not having enough. No. And I, no, no, no. I'm, let me just tell me. And you, you can fight <laughs> me on it. I'm not I'm You not can fight me on it. But I live in fear of you not having what you need, and it's my fault. That is what I live in fear of. And I hate that about myself because we'll always find a way to make it. But I don't, I don't want to drive up credit card debt. I want to have the bills paid. I don't want, I'm so afraid of that 
financial adversity coming back that I allow it to dictate to me what my attitude is. And then it causes me to resent you when things get out of whack. Now, part of it, as we discussed, and this episode is now going way too long, but part of it we discussed was you were spending money because you said, unless I'm wrong, you were earning part of the money and you felt entitled to go and spend it. I I don't agree with it, but I respect I respect where what I understand about it. The other part is is that you're doing what you can and that this is a this was a transition that I had to make when you were going and buying stuff and it's like, oh crap. Well we're already seven thousand dollars over budget. Now we're eight thousand dollars over budget. What I had to step back and say is this woman is trying to make this house a home for an entire family. And what you need is an advocate, not an asshole <laughs> to support you in that. And please excuse my language. Um, and I've tried very hard because we, we had it so hard for so long financially. And I felt as if, you know, we had turned the corner but it's one of those things in our relationship that we still we're not in the same book we're not in the same library and we're not even on the same page not on the same page book or library when it comes to that and that's one thing that i i pray we endeavor to work together so that we can come closer to what the middle looks like but i am the reason I am grasping on all these things because I'm afraid of failing. And one of the things I gauge myself on is my ability to provide for the family. And I'm afraid to fail at that. And I have to come to terms with that. And that is breaking news because I've never talked to anybody about that. It's just what I'm going through. And so when the budget doesn't meet, when we don't meet the budget, I feel like a failure and I, and I look at it and I go, there goes the house payment I set up. There goes this provision and that provision. If emergencies come up, cause I'm still in that emergency mindset. We yeah. haven't had medical emergencies, but when you spend a decade going through them, yeah, it sticks with you. It's hard to, it's hard to get out of it. So it's like this move is teaching me something. And we, we left one income behind coming to texas so now more than ever it's really on me but i'm a as a man of of faith in god i understand that he provides the opportunities and we must go seize those opportunities to walk the path that he has for us and i threw that aside and said i don't want to be beholden to anything but what god has for this family and with this the job that I'm in now, look, if you're, it's good money for anybody. I've spent over 20 years working to get to this particular point with a salary. So if you're the the typical American family with a husband and wife and two and a half kids, you're in great shape. <laughs> but that's not us, and that's okay. But I'm coming to terms with these fears that are lingering I have to run at them with a battle axe because something, something different. Like we are meant for bigger things. And I don't, I don't mean 
this in any sense. I don't mean it in a sense to where we're not doing enough because our family investing time and effort and love and care and building our family is the biggest thing that we will ever do. But there are people waiting to hear this podcast that haven't heard it and their marriage is failing and they feel like a failure and they need to understand that there is hope and that they can get through it. There are people that need to read our book. There are people that need to read your novels. They need to hear your story and understand that if a mother of eight with all the adversity can still get through and realize her dream of being a published author can do it, that might give them an inspiration to do something. But there are people waiting for us to do it. Mm -hmm. And in California, we were hiding. We had comfort. We had what we needed. We could have just stayed the same. We were hiding. And this is like us ripping the Band-Aid off and moving to Texas, which we believe is going to be great opportunity and saying, we're not hiding anymore. And I'm speaking to myself. Okay, you speak for you. We're not hiding anymore. I'm not hiding behind autism anymore. I'm not doing it. I'm not staying comfortable with this particular handout or that handout. I'm not. I'm going for it. And if I fail, that's not going to change your love or their love for me. It's just not. So I can't define myself if I fail. I can't do it. And I can't continue to be afraid of it because I'm damn sick and tired of it. I've got things to do, and I want to honor these people that need us out there. But you also have to remember... Every failure we've been through, we've learned something. Yeah. And from that, we are now helping these other people. I agree. So if we fail, we get back up. That's how we've always done it. That's how we'll always do it. And you never fail by yourself. I never fail by myself. We've we've been in this too long to do it by ourselves. Yeah. So it is a lot it is overwhelming. Being here has definitely been eye-opening. There's a lot of things um, I'm looking at with myself differently. So I, I'm sure as we move along with shows and whatnot, those things will start coming around too. But I honestly, from my heart to my head, believe this is exactly where we're supposed to be and what we should have done. Yeah. I wouldn't change it. I I don't have anything that says, oh my God, I wish we would have stayed in California. Oh my gosh, I wish we would have done this. We did what we did, A, to the best that we know how. The things that, that may not be right, they'll adjust and we'll get it figured out. But there's not really anything catastrophic. You know what I mean? There's nothing that's like, oh my gosh, we totaled a car or anything like that. It's just little stuff. And when you look back at everything that we have dealt with in life, anything we're dealing with right now is going to be small beans because really, well, I, (laughs) and that's, I preach that because when I'm going through something tough or something at work, I'm what I do for work, you know, I work for United Rentals. I, I love the company and it's been a love hate relationship for a long time. I've loved working there. I've hated working there, but I have to tell you, I am so glad that we decided to keep each other, me and United Rentals, Mm -hmm. because I don't want to work 
anywhere else. I've seen the evolution of this company, and I, I thoroughly believe, I say this biased, but it's the best company. It's the leader at doing what the, what gets done in the world. Yeah. And I have a high school education and 23 years of hard knocks and people who've invested <laughs> in me. And the company has invested in me. And I don't speak for the company. I only speak for myself. But what I'm doing now is extremely difficult. And I'm in a sick way excited about it. I was going to say, you are happier now than I have seen you and I don't know how long. And it's because you're learning. You thrive when you can learn and then turn around and teach it to somebody else. It's like, give me all the knowledge. Hold on. Hold that thought. I'll be right back. And then you turn around and you spit it out to whoever else. And then you come back and say, okay, give me some more. It's just who you are. Yeah. You're, you're that way with everything. That's what our kids look to you for. That's why they come to you when they need decisions because you'll inform them. Me, I'm just like, Pfft. I, yeah, I, I deal on the emotion side. You deal with all the logical stuff. Don't ask me for logic. doesn't work. But I think in this particular job, especially right now, because you're not just learning stuff. You're learning locations. You're learning businesses. You're learning people. You're learning different cultures you are you have so much being thrown at you at this particular point in time and i've never seen you happier well just so you know and if you work for the company because i know we have people that work for the company that listen i'm scared to death and i'm my confidence is extremely challenged but like i said and to concur with you in a sick way Maybe it's not a sick way. I'm excited about it because I was just too comfortable. And look, you know the job I had before this within the company. There's nothing comfortable about it. But we have succeeded so long for finding a comfortable place in chaos that it's just another thing. Mm -hmm. But I had to come to terms and someday maybe I will manage and lead people again. Um, my standard, people don't like my standard, but it's because it's the standard from which I hold myself to. Mm -hmm. And in that speech that Saban gave that maybe I'll put the link in here, you know, it's like mediocre people don't like high achievers and high achievers don't like mediocre people. And I say that tongue in cheek because I like everybody. Even if you are mediocre, I look at you and I don't see a mediocre person it's some it's twisted inside of me because I see you walking around as the potential of who you can be. Mm -hmm. And it irritates the fire out of me because I can't stop doing it. But that was one of the most challenging times in my career is being a branch manager in our company because but I loved it. I loved it. But I was kind of I've come to the point where there was a part of me that was afraid to be evaluated on the sales side because what if I fail? But naturally, I thrive in a sales um, avenue. Like I told you, I'm not a slickster. I can't trick people. I don't want to trick people into you know to doing things they don't want. You don't bullshit. That's just the point of it. Um, but it's just me because I love people. I love adding value to people. Mm -hmm. In this particular, 
this particular position in the company gives me the opportunity to work with people in the company and get to know them and their story and go out and add value. And then on the customer side too. So I have two different sides of customers to work with. And for the people that want to work with me, man, we go out and we just have a good time. (laughs) And it, it was a weird change because I didn't, there was something dirty to me that felt about that. I felt about sales. But Shane and I were talking on the trip one day, and it's like, wait a minute. I'm not going out to sell people anything. What I'm truly doing is going out to create opportunities for people. And I love, I, I'll do that all day long. I love that. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going there to sell you anything. I'm not going to sell any of these people. We're creating an opportunity for them to get some kind of value. And I know I can bring that to the table. And I've just had to have these long drives have given me the opportunity to really come to terms and look at myself and say, you are afraid, Quincy. There are areas in your life where you're not afraid because you know you feel bulletproof and that you can't fail. But these areas, you are still afraid. Because my last, my last endeavor into sales was rough. It timing me a lot. was wrong. It, it was bad timing, too, because of the way our family was expanding. But I was afraid of being evaluated on my own merit because I didn't want to fail. And that has begun to change, and I'm facing it. And I haven't talked to you or anybody else about that, but now I'm talking to the hey, world everybody. about it. Um, to say, you know what? What I finally said was, you know what? Evaluate me. Bring it to me because I want to grow. If we didn't evaluate our marriage in that conference and we didn't put those two numbers against each other, we would not be sitting here right now. That's what you need. Yeah. Where's your point? Okay, cool. This is you a three. Are you a five? Are you a seven? Where are you? Find your point. Make your goals. That's what you need. That's what you thrive on. Yes. If, if you have something to look at to say, okay, I'm at a three, I'm going to give myself until February and I'm going to be at a five. You, that, that's just how your mind works. Yeah. You have to have a distinct goal and direction. And at the same time, I think that's why this job excites you so much is because you're not just learning new things in work. You're learning about yourself. And you're seeing these things that either you like or you dislike. The ones that you like, you're honing in on and you're making sure that you manage them and you maintain them. The ones that you don't like, they piss you off and now you're targeting. Yeah. And that's the genesis of this picture over here. That, gotcha. You know, that's, that's the phase of mindset that I'm going into because I'm tired of these. I'm tired of the last lingering excuses in my life. I'm tired of those last lingering things that are talking to me. And those things are holding me back. This this podcast, I anticipate, like, you know, just to be candid, I have, I have dreams of, of doing a podcast for entertainment and having a good time and eventually making money. This podcast is not about that. This, no. is, this is truly... Now, in the beginning... Maybe so, because I thought, oh, look, I I hear these stories. This is what people do. I can take this. It'll help. 
But what it fast became is the email started coming in. It's like, F the money. I don't care. I don't care about money in this podcast. And, and Ben, a guy that I used to work with, um, he said, he said something really positive. Oh, that's a great passion project. I said, that's exactly what this is. This is me paying it forward for all that Coach Rita did, for what you did, for what we did. This is, I don't want to make money with this podcast. I want to change lives. I want to get it out so more and more men and women know there's hope for their marriage. I have other plans for other podcasts to, to make a business out of. But this one is dear to my heart because it, it absolutely changed my life. Our marriage did. In teaching men that they, they can actually change themselves. You can do that. You can stop with all the excuses. And this last little patch, or at least to this layer, this is the patch of excuses that need to be confronted and they need to be addressed and they need to be dispatched because I need... Now, as we get on further down the road, I'm sure there are other things hiding in there that are going to need to be addressed, but I can't get to those without getting through where I am. Mm-hmm. So that's something I can appreciate. And generally, I don't... This is not part of me that I share. I talk about it, you know, in nuanced ways about overcoming, changing, etc. But I, I didn't even anticipate putting this part out there uh, about me being afraid and crying on the microphone or whatever. I didn't anticipate that, but I had to go there because it was in my heart. It's just, it's just like I've got to come clean about this. And I've told so many people over the years that sitting across from you with these microphones is therapy for us. Yeah, no kidding. It's really therapy. So if nobody listens to this episode, at least you know where I'm at. And we've had the opportunity to talk about it. And so that's the, that's this next adventure. That's what Texas is the land of opportunity for is to face these things. I took the training wheels off. The training wheels are back in California. I left them there. Um, and we're here and we're going to make a go with this thing. And I'm excited about it. Because I believe in us. I believe in me. I believe in us. I believe in this path that we're on. Um, I have full faith in God that we're going to be able, we're going to be able to take this as the land of opportunity and push it forward into the next phase of our life and what it looks like. And that is absolutely a really long way to say that's the thing I wouldn't change. Mm. It took a really long time to get there. But that's... The thing I would change is that right there with you, I, I would have taken Michelle's advice so much more, kept only the family heirlooms. Looking back, kept only the heirlooms, bought a large trailer, put that stuff in there. When we got here, we would have bought every, how much fun would the kids have had to go brand new clothes shopping for everything? Yeah. No, that's don't, don't talk me out of it. That's what I would have done. They would have had their seven days of clothes. The things that were family heirloom that meant the most, and they would have come out here. I would have given them a thousand or more dollars to go and shop and buy what they want and start over. And I should have, but I was. You just can't see it while you're in it sometimes. Michelle has seen it because she's moved several times, her and Shane. They've had to do this, they've done it. 
Same state, but they've had to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's their profession as realtors to see people go through this. So another thing that Nick Saban says is it's somebody who's great can learn from their mistakes, but somebody who's even greater can look at other people's mistakes and learn from them. And that's just part of the advice I wanted to get out here and did a crappy job of, you know, (laughs) that's one thing I would have changed because from a financial standpoint, we would have something tangible, an asset like the trailer that we would have gotten here. We would have had a bit more control over for ourselves. Um, your things, your Wonder Woman shoes would be here. Um, then things would have been different. I, the the family heirloom stuff should have came. The rest of it, we could have started over and had a great time doing it. But it's in the past. And now we move forward and, uh, you know, we have the means to move forward and to get ourselves settled, to get to three or four or five months of putting a budget together. So we know what things look like. Um, and I, there, there's nothing I'm going to do to get one of those dollars back. So now instead of staying stuck in the past, we move forward and that's, that's what we're going to do. I think that one's it. I think that is 72 minutes of a 30-minute podcast. So, and it had that. Still not our longest, so we're okay. That's right. That's right. Okay, that's it for this episode of Man vs. Marriage. That is my lovely wife, Jeannie Moran. I am Quincy Moran, and this is Man vs. Marriage. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? You gotta live on purpose. For a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Mary, the podcast.